Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to another episode of the Chiefs Wire podcast. I'm Ed Easton Jr. On today's episode, Kansas City Star reporter Herbie Teope calls in and gives his thoughts on the Chiefs' defense from the past week. The Cali Chief and Talon Graf tackle plenty of issues heading into Week 11's matchup against the Chargers in our weekly roundtable. And John Dillon gives us his thoughts on the history between the Chargers and Chiefs, as well as the Mexico City games. But first, we start things off, as always, with Charles Goldman, the managing editor of the Chiefs Wire. Hey, Charles, I got to start off by asking, do you believe the blame for last Sunday's loss should be on Andy Reid's play calling? Yeah, I'm not sure that you can really blame the loss on on any one person. Um, I, I certainly wouldn't be blaming it on, on Coach Reid's play calling. I understand the, I believe it was a third and two play call. It was a screen play. I understand the idea behind that play call. You look back to week I believe it was week three against the Ravens. They had a very similar play call, screen pass, design play to Daryl Williams. And it, it essentially iced the game. You could have been looking at a similar situation there had the play been executed uh, correctly. Unfortunately, you had a lot of different offensive linemen in there than you'd usually have if you're a Kansas City and I think that the defenders really did a good job kind of sniffing out the screenplay. Would I perchance have called it maybe to a different player instead of Blake Bell or or given Patrick Mahomes maybe more options on a third and two than, than a screen pass? Possibly. But uh, I, I don't think his play calling in general was, was in question. I think he called a pretty dang good game for the most part. Uh, Chiefs came away scoring a lot of points, uh, over 30 points there. So, I, I, yeah, I think there's there's other things to point to. I think it was really kind of a, a team loss, so to speak. Are there any concerns regarding the Chiefs' run defense following the Titans game? Yeah, you kind of saw some of the uh, problems that had had been plaguing the Chiefs' offense, uh, excuse me, Chiefs' defense early in the season. Um, when it comes to the run game, those, those problems popped up again against the Titans. So um, I, I think really what, what the Chiefs coaching staff needs to do is some self-scouting here. What did you change? What did you do differently this week that might have changed things for the worse compared to the, the previous weeks um, where you did a better job slowing down the run game? Hats off to, to Derrick Henry. I mean, he's a monster. We, we've had nightmares about Derrick Henry before, um, you know, dating back to, to previous playoff games against the Titans. Uh, the guy is just hard to stop once he gets going. And um, the Chiefs had some miscues. I mean, you look at the goal line plays uh, where they had 10 men on the field. They, they had some, some problems uh, getting guys, you know, rotated in and out properly. And then, 
you know, when when they had some opportunities to maybe stop Henry for a short game or um, even a tackle for loss, they they didn't uh, capitalize on those opportunities. It took you know one, two, three guys. Uh, you know, it took more than one one guy to tackle him. So, um, it, yeah, I think I think there's some things you can go back and look at at this Titans game. I wouldn't say that that it's necessarily worrying. If anything, this might be a very good data point for them to kind of go back, look at, and, and be able to adjust and, and and see what they can do differently moving forward. What do you expect from the Chiefs' Week 11 matchup with the Chargers in Mexico City? Yeah, I think, you know, the, the NFL obviously has a lot riding on this game. I think they're going to maybe encourage both teams to you know, go and leave everything out there all in the field. And really, it's it's a must-win game for both teams. The Chargers, you know, if they want to stay in the playoff hunt, they really, really need to win this game. And the Chiefs, this is really the first time in a while they've had their, their backs against the wall where they're playing a game where there's a lot on the line. If you look at the Raiders are a half game back on the AFC West division, and, you know, they don't want to have... Uh, back-to-back losses. That's not the direction this team wants to go in. So so really, I'm expecting the offense to come out and fire on all cylinders. You got Patrick Mahomes feeling as healthy as he has and perhaps all season since since week one at the very least. And um, you've got some guys getting healthy on both sides of the ball. You've got uh, Possibly Eric Fisher and Lord Duvernay Tardif returning to action on the offensive line that'll help in a big way. Then you've got uh, you know um, Kendall Fuller. He participated in full in practice early in the week. He looks like he could be making his return. That could potentially be helpful, specifically I think for um, Tyron Matthew, who's been playing a little bit more slot corner, um, kind of splitting time with uh with uh, the other corner there Rashad Fenton. I think if you have Fuller back in there full time, that can actually help him get back to doing what he was doing originally early on this season where he was kind of roaming around making plays. Any particular stories from Chiefs Wire you would like to highlight from the past week? Yeah, you know, we've got plenty of stuff on Chiefs Wire this week. Obviously a ton of stuff recapping Clark Hunt's uh, Wednesday press conference. He it was kind of like his little midseason review that that he tends to do uh, every season, but a little, a little bit late this time around. But it was nice to hear from him, hear his perspective on a few things. So we've got plenty of stuff coming from that um, throughout the weekend. Uh, we're gonna have um, some more looks at, at some NFL draft stuff coming up. Uh, draft Wire has a, another um, mock draft coming out that that i like some of the prospects that luke easterling has for the kansas city chiefs so uh that that'll be interesting to kind of look at that and and overview that over the weekend here there's another article up um kind of overviewing some players who might have a a first uh first time opportunity to go to the pro bowl this year for the chiefs seeing how they've been doing a couple of, of players that we're familiar with and a couple of newer faces so um yeah take a look at that and we'll have a bunch of stuff up over the weekend i'm sure um, some new stories will pop up the next couple of days that we'll take a look at 
Thank you guys so much for listening and visiting the website, and I hope you enjoy the rest of the episode. For more information on this story and others, head over to ChiefsWire.com, and we'll give you all the details you need on the Kansas City Chiefs. Coming up next, the Chiefs Wire Podcast Roundtable. to the round table for this Red Friday, week 11, here in the Chiefs Wire. Can you believe week 11 is already upon us? And yet here we are. We're sitting at 6-4, and four, control our own playoff destiny, as they like to say. Coming off of an ugly loss, a beautifully wonderful, horrible, ugly loss. I was there in Tennessee to witness what transpired. It was great to see the King come back. The reigning MVP was out there and throwing it around like always, looking great, being his usual self. But uh, a number of things happened, a number of odd calls and lots of no calls on holding. Derrick Henry played well, but that big run, there's at least three guys holding on that play, and I did not like the looks of it, but you know what? It's done. We look at that game and go, how many times could the Chiefs have closed this game out? How many passes were dropped by our wide receivers? How many times did we line up 10 guys on the field in the last couple weeks? At least two that I know of. That's got to stop. But, uh, you know, we're going into week 11. We're going out of Mexico City. And we're going to take on those Bolts. Those Los Angeles Chargers. We're also coming off an embarrassing loss to the Raiders where Phillip Rivers could have had five interceptions. He had three as it stood. A couple of them got dropped. He would have had five. Think he's going to give some to us? Maybe. Maybe not. He usually does, but he also plays us hard in the fourth quarter, so we better be ready to play four quarters in Mexico City. I'll tell you that. Better not have people taking plays off because the king is back thinking, oh, Patrick will just save us. 446 yards and three touchdowns. And that was with another touchdown called back, which would have put him over 500 yards. Travis lost out on that one. He was the receiver on the end of that. Tough to watch, but our team looks great. they got to clean some stuff up, that's all. Every loss this year has been by one score. The Patriots, the Saints, the Packers, and the Ravens have all lost games by 15 or 17 points. Been blown out by teams that they should have crushed. Last week, the 1-7 Falcons went into New Orleans. And who they? <laughs> beat them by 17. They beat those Saints. And we're supposed to believe that those teams are the power teams and the Chiefs are in trouble. That's the word around the league. Chiefs concerns was the headline I saw in a number of ESPN articles which kind of cracked me up because, but for the sake of not putting their foot on their throat and finishing them off, the Chiefs had the Titans all day long. <coughs> Should have been an easy win. They let them back in. 
They kept him in there with the run game and couldn't put him away. That's on us. We'll clean that up. Got to play more like we're doing against Minnesota and less like we did this past weekend. Or it could be a rough road ahead. But this team is primed and ready to win it all. And last week doesn't change that. We're moving on today. We're going to get into week 11 stuff uh, with my friend Talon Graff. He's back today. We're going to welcome him onto the show. How goes it with you, Talon? Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much, Dan. I'm uh, pleased and thrilled to be back on with you. Nice, man. We missed you there. It's good to have you back. Uh, we're going into week 11 with the Chargers. Coming off of that game, that game, that beautiful game last week, <laughs> I was down there to witness that wonderful debacle that it was, the coming out party of our previously injured QB. And uh, well, let me get your take on what you saw. Oh, oh, geez. Okay. Um, <laughs> Where to begin, I mean, right? Where yeah, to begin? <laughs> no kidding. Uh, it was rough, you know, along with the rest of Chiefs Kingdom that was not fun to watch. Um, you know, mm-hmm. we came off great. Came out firing. It looked like we were going to have a, a cruise to victory type of game, but yeah. hit a wall and a couple big plays for the Titans' uh, defense, and their offense started to roll a little bit with Henry, and all of a sudden this it became a game. And – yeah. yeah, just come, came down to the wire when it never should have. Um, and the, the Titans made plays when, when we didn't. And unfortunately, there's some controversy on that uh, blocked field goal. But, you know, it is what it is. It's a loss, a loss that should have never happened. Um, but now we got to regroup and come out and, and win a very pivotal AFC West matchup. That's true. That's all true. You know what else? Uh, I was mentioned today, mentioned the other day, rather, on Twitter that uh, – the San Francisco 49ers and the Chiefs have two things in common. They both lost, and they're both still division leaders. So we can hang yes. our hand on that. We hang our hat on that and keep plowing forward. But uh, I was at the game. It was tough to watch. It was definitely one of those we snatched defeat from the jaws of victory. We had no right losing that football game. Um, that I mentioned earlier, that, that big run by Travis. Sorry, Travis. I keep calling him Travis Henry. Derrick Henry. Travis Henry was a long time ago. <laughs> Same uniform, different guy, different size, different everything. <laughs> um, Derrick Henry's big run was, I mean, there's one spot where they kept freezing and showing the highlights. They called it the highlights. I see Frank Clark getting pulled backwards. I see uh, one of the, the D tackles getting grabbed around the waist, and I see uh, – see Ward getting grabbed by the receiver for about 10 yards down the field. It was just really tough to watch. I'm just like, it's right in front of you. And on that drive, there was two earlier calls that the refs, you know, they were kind of soft, and I was wondering if the refs were going to call it on the Titans, and they did. So I thought, oh, okay, maybe it's not going to be a seven penalties to zero second quarter like the first quarter. But uh, I guess they didn't want to see that one. They wanted that big run to happen. And he would have still had a solid game. He would have had 120 yards without that 68-yarder. But uh, I'm not panicking. A lot of people are panicking. It just makes me laugh. Like, who would you consider the four top power teams right now if you had to pick four out of a hat? In the entire league or just the AFC? Yeah. Yeah, in the league. In the league, I would say the Saints, the Niners. You have to throw the Patriots in there. Mm-hmm. And then uh, probably the Packers. Okay. And then if you put in an AFC team instead of the 49ers, probably the Ravens, right? Yeah, I would throw the Ravens in there. Yeah, and I mentioned earlier before I got you on the line here, all four of those teams have lost by either 15 or 17 points. Two teams they should have crushed. So for people to wig out that we lost our fourth game 
every single game by one score, I'm good. I'm good. I'd be a lot more worried if we were losing, uh, I don't know, to the Falcons by 17 points in our own house. <laughs> that was a joke. What was that all about? That was a whole bunch of yards between the 20s and nothing getting in the end zone for the Saints. Um, so I, I think other teams have a little stronger concerns than we have right now. I do think we need to tighten up some screws for sure. Um, guys just looked like there was Patrick who was ready to ball out, a couple guys who were fired up, and a bunch of guys who were like, oh, we're cool. We'll be fine. And it was just like, oh, we'll get him on the next play. We'll get him on the next play. The first play I was worried about was the touchdown that got called back to Travis, which would have put Patrick at four TDs and over 500 yards. And I was like, I hope that doesn't come back and bite us later. <laughs> sure enough, uh, we lose by three. But um, this week, what do you think the focus is going to be as far as uh, slowing down the Chargers? Man, you have to focus in on the running game and the running backs out of the backfield uh, as a receiving threats. Um, both yep. of the running backs for the Chargers, Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler, are both very good. They're both uh, good between the tackles, and they're both good in the air. So you have to be ready for both those guys to make plays in either position. So hopefully we can, we, we've had trouble shutting down one running back. Uh, now we've got to yep. focus on shutting down two. So that, to me, is the biggest thing. I'm kind of wondering which version of the Chargers we're going to get because there have been some weeks where they just looked horrible. And then another game, they're beating the Packers. Uh, what, what, Which team are we going to see? What do you think is going to happen down in Mexico City? Yeah, we, we definitely – they're a Jekyll and Hyde kind of team out mm-hmm. there in the West. But you know what? I think we're going to see a very focused Chargers team because they're coming off of a, a, a tough loss themselves to the, to the Raiders, a game where Phillip Rivers yep. really did not look like the – you know typical Philip Rivers that we're used to seeing. No. So I think they're going to be more focused in. They're they're getting more used to the play calls from Shane Steichen, who's, who took over recently for mm-hmm. Ken Wisenhunt. Um, so I think we're going to really see a focused-in team who because even though they're at six losses already, they still have a shot. And if they win this game, then they you know it puts them in an even better position for, for a wild card. And they're really only, I think, maybe a game or two back from the division if yeah. they do beat the Chiefs. So they know a lot is on the line, so I think the Chargers are going to come down fully prepared and expecting to win. Yeah, we got to. I got to hope that we're going to go in there and you know bust their face in <laughs> score wise. Sorry, fans, that sounds harsh, <laughs> but uh, I'm hoping we take it to them. I hope they come out firing and they're they're looking focused and and nasty, and we beat them anyway. And then we get the other version at the end of the season and just kind of coast through them to get two. Two for like we've been regularly doing until last year, which was a very questionable second game. We won't go into that. Um, but I'm looking forward to uh, seeing how the team answers the bell this week because there's a lot of people that got questions over their heads right now. And we're about to go into a bye week and we're going to get a lot of rest and get some people back. We lost uh, Rankins for the year. We lost Ogba. That's huge. I wasn't looking forward to that. And it just watching that game, it just got me feeling like, you know what? Just we could have. We could have kept Houston, not traded for Frank, paid Chris, and drafted a first-round DB. And maybe things might be different, you know? Um, just Justin sitting on seven sacks down there in Indianapolis. Yeah. Um, apparently wasn't washed up. He didn't get the memo that he was washed up. <laughs> he wasn't good anymore. Uh, he came after us. He got Patrick a couple, like, <laughs> a couple times and won for a sack. So uh, that was tough to watch, too. But... uh where do you think uh, the defense goes from here? Oh, geez, they have to go up. I mean, if they get any any worse, then we're 
then uh, they have to go up. If they get any worse or take any more steps back, we're really a questionable playoff team. I'm going to be honest. Uh, and, you know, we're at six and four. We lose one mm-hmm. more. We're at six and five. We're one game above 500. Mm-hmm. And granted, I know, you know, we got quite a bit of weights to go, and it's not a for sure thing we're going to lose. I don't think that the Chiefs do lose. I think the Chiefs are the better team, and I think they take care of business. But in terms of the defense, they have to start getting better. We're over halfway through the season, and the way they looked – a few weeks ago to where they look now, they have taken a step back. So we can't take any more step, steps back this season at all. Yeah, I think it was what they, you know, when people talk about a trap game, I think that's what we saw. I don't think it's a precursor for a downward spiral. I think it was, well, it's just the Titans. Let's get this wrapped up and let's uh, focus on our division rival next week. We'll take care of that. Not that they weren't looking at the game and doing the tape and all that stuff, but I think they were like, we're getting Patrick back. How are these guys going to beat us? And I think it was a little lackadaisical by a lot of guys. And uh, it was uh, tough to watch. Like I said, it was tough to be in the stands. And, I mean, the the crowd, man, we were so loud. Uh, That 4th and 17 had no chance. And after that, Chris was blowing kisses up to us. The thing that bothered me even more was, of course, you don't get the access to the game on TV like you do at home when we're sitting in the stands. I came back home and reviewed stuff. And that big run by Tannehill – one of their wide receivers, or no, actually it was Deion Lewis, grabbed Neiman by the arm and actually spun him around. Like, if that's not Platon holding right in front of the ref. And I think third and 20 instead of a first down would have made a big difference from their own 25 with, what, 35 seconds left to go in the game. I don't think they would have had that big rah-rah comeback. I think that would have set them back enough that it would have choked them up a little bit. I would have been fine with our defense calling a timeout as well. I don't know what you're saving them for at that point. I would have definitely called one there because our defense looked tired. They didn't look focused. They looked, they were being sloppy, and they needed to get their give their head a shake and get back into the thick of things. Um, but yeah, it was it was definitely a weaker team, and they showed that most of the game and a couple of big plays at the end. I mean, two guys getting trucked by Ryan Tannehill, two DBs. I hope they got roasted by their teammates all week long because that should never happen. I mean. Say what you want about Steve Nelson, but Steve Nelson rocked up on Jimmy Garoppolo last year when Jimmy tore his knee. Jimmy tore his knee not because of that, but he rocked up and size didn't matter. Jimmy went down, and Steven stood there and looked at him like, what? (laughs) That's what I expect out of a defensive back versus a QB. Unless you're Cam Newton. I mean, that's typically been the experience, right? Right, right. Let me going back to size-wise, um, Troy Aikman and, and Drew Bledsoe versus linebackers tried to do that big cowboy thing and just got destroyed, injured, knocked out for weeks. So, yeah, it was kind of ballsy. I was, like, impressed because I'm, like, looking at Tannehill and, and Mariota and realizing they're both – one or both of them was going to be out of, t- you know, Tennessee next year. Now it's looking like Ryan might get a contract. Who knows? He's kind of the playing like Mike Vrabel likes a quarterback to play. But I was looking at both of those guys thinking, you know, they're younger. Maybe next year we'll grab one of those guys and slot them behind Patrick and they got some mobility and some coachability. They've never had a coach like Andy. You know, who knows? But it uh, looks like uh, Ryan might be sticking around in Tennessee for a minute. What do you think of his game overall that day? I mean, Ryan did what he needed to do. He, he's not an elite quarterback, but he's not the worst quarterback in the league. He's one of those middle-of-the-road guys that you're not going to be able to have him be your franchise but you can build a franchise around him um and i mean he had good years in miami he suffered through injuries and stuff like that so uh, i think he's a good quarterback um 
So, yeah, I think they can win with him in Tennessee. They've proven it this year alone. And they have some nice young pieces around him in this game particularly. He did what he needed to do, and he got his team a win against one of the best in the AFC. Yeah, it was funny to, you know, the they were 4-5 and five going into that game, the Titans. Like I said, the Falcons were 1-7 and seven going into New Orleans. The Bills were playing the 2-6 and six Browns. Um, the Colts were playing, uh, what, what, did Miami have one win or two wins at that point? At one that point, win? they had one, yeah. Like, I mean, all... All these teams got upset by, you know, much, in my opinion, much lesser teams than the Titans. Mm-hmm. The Browns have more on paper than Tennessee, but Tennessee's been a much better team than Cleveland this year. Just as a whole, playing together, being in games, asserting their dominance on certain. I mean, look what they did to the Browns. Totally destroyed them. Yeah, Tennessee, I mean, they've they've had a tumultuous senior uh season so far send to 500 but their losses haven't been terrible i mean the the one to the broncos where they got shut out yeah i mean you could argue that's that's a no. fairly bad loss but really two points to the colts uh 20 to 7 to the jaguars one mm-hmm. touchdown to the bills and then 10 points to the panthers um they're you know they're up and down they're kind of you know everywhere but their wins are even kind of more impressive though so i wouldn't be surprised to see this team squeak into the playoffs at the end of the year on on a, you know kind of a weird scenario yeah, their division is usually the the dumpster fire division where, you know, there's like three three of them glommed up mm-hmm. together at the end of the year and one trails off. I'm hoping ours doesn't turn into that because right now it looked like we were going to run away with it and now it's like we're, what, a half a game ahead of the Raiders. We're a game and a half ahead of the Chargers. It's just we got to get this thing squared out and, and straightened out and take care of business. It's just we're not we're playing down to weaker teams. I feel like we just play down to their level a little bit. And, and not the whole game that we show spurts of, oh, this is what we really can do. All right, now let's just keep doing that. I mean, if we played the way we played against Minnesota this past weekend, it would have been a 42-10 to 10 blowout. It just would have been, you know, take the, take the locks off because it's over. I'm looking forward to getting through this game, getting some more guys healthy. We definitely, I mean, O-line, we were crushed on the O-line last week. We were at one point, if uh, Schwartz doesn't come back in, we would have had... Cam Irving and a bunch of backups, that's scary. Yeah, that's very scary. I mean, um, we were, although Wiz, Wisniewski's looked really good so far. I'm, I'm, I expected as much, and I'm glad to see that he's uh, he's banged the rust off pretty quickly. Yeah, that's turned out to be a pretty good pickup, and hopefully you know, this line going with duct tape and bailing wire at the moment, hopefully they can stick together and, and kind of keep Mahomes upright and open those lanes for the running backs who also need to stop fumbling the ball. Yeah. Do you know if uh, – Vernon Hargreaves has been picked up by anybody yet? I know he was on the waiver wire. Right. No, I have not seen him uh, being signed by anybody, so I think he's still available. I would love to see Kansas City bring him in for a workout and see what's going on. Because if it's just a matter of I need to get the heck out of this organization because it's not great, that'd be great. That'd be awesome. I mean, Jalen Ramsey said as much, but because of his prominence, it was forgiven and just, you know, a great signing. Um, Marcus Peters was unceremoniously tossed aside when nobody's really expecting it, and all he's done since then is pick two pick sixes. So I guess he was still kind of good under the right coaching. I wouldn't mind kicking the tires on Vernon. Yeah, and hey, actually, to interject a little bit, I, I was mistaken. He was actually picked up off waivers by Houston uh, yesterday. Oh, Hargreaves was? Yeah, he's, he's now a Houston Texan. That's yeah. wonderful. So that's one more thing to possibly be concerned with going down the road if uh, we meet them in the playoffs I do look at this as a lot of people seem concerned with that first round bye honestly man I'm like you know what it might not be the worst thing in the world the first two rounds on the road in domes 
If we got to go to Indy and Houston for round one and two, cool. We can get out of the weather. We can go in there and hit them in the mouth. And if that means that we go outside and face Baltimore or or New England or somebody on the road, so be it. But uh, at the end of the day, we don't get to pick the place. Our record's going to say that. It's going to dictate that. We've had one of the toughest schedules in the league. Just get to the dance, baby. Just get to the dance. One more game should not be a problem, should not be the concern of this team. This team is built with a lot of players that can put up a lot of points. And if the defense can just get right, they looked like they were doing that rounding the corner a little bit. And like I said, that last week looked a bit like a trap came to the defense. I don't know why. But, uh, you know, at that same time, people saying, you know, panicking about the Chiefs D and, oh, they get run you, I ask anybody out there in Radio Land, go ahead. You just got to, if somebody said, I'll give you $50,000 to tackle Derrick Henry once when he's got a full head of steam. <laughs> but you might go to the hospital. You might be in a coma. You might get knocked into next week and forget your name, but we'll pay you if you do it. I'm not doing that. I played semi pro for 10 years. I'm not getting in front of that cowboy when he starts rolling because that dude's a big man. I'm not saying that it's okay for our defense to make business decisions and kind of move out of the way and do the arm tackle thing. I've never been a fan of that. You're getting paid to be out there, do your job, but it's not, uh, it's not easy lifting. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Yeah, no. Going up against a guy like Derrick Henry is, is just rough on the body. And yeah, I'm with you though. Those business decisions, stop making them. If you're, you're out there getting paid to play, Go make go make the the football decision. Marcus Peters made way too many business decisions. Yeah, that was a big knock. And I'm, I'm and one one knock I had in the game. I'm not going to get into you know questioning Andy's play calling, but the one play that I wish we could have back was that third and two at the end of the game. I mean, we just we were getting yardage. We were moving the ball. The the O line was getting some 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 gritty yards at the end there. I wish we just would have went for the run right up the gut. You know, I think they would have got it. And if they get it, we kneel it off and we're out of there with a five-point win. Uh, if they didn't get it, you know what? We're maybe a little bit closer. Or maybe we get stuffed. Even if we lose a yard, we don't lose five or six. Mm-hmm. And we're right in the middle of the field. And we haven't just come off of a funky play where everybody's going, wait, what's going on? And a bad snap. And so it just was like all these little things that had to happen. And this is the other thing I actually take solace in. This is a silver lining to me. Not that there's any moral victories, but all these crazy things that had to happen for a strong defensive team with a big bruising running back and a decent low uh, mistake rate quarterback, all these things that had to go their way for them to eke out a one-score win in their own house, that means our team's pretty damn good. Because if they can play that badly and score that many points and be that close to winning the game, imagine if we get this thing rolling properly. Uh, I'm not going to get into the block because that was just frustrating and everybody has a different opinion. We saw it. The team saw it. And we were all waiting for them to clear the field and redo the thing. That didn't happen. So here we are. The last thing I wanted to mention, it was another no call. I went back and watched the replay of that third and two play when Patrick rolled out. And people like, oh, you shouldn't have done a tight end screen to Blake Bell. You shouldn't have done the, all these different things. Why are you doing thing that bothered me in the stands, and it was hard to see because I was up in 300 seats, so I was up there. But we're looking right down at him. He's like, you know, we were closer than we were far uh, as far as line, line of, line of uh, the down line. Um, and it looked like the guy fell on him. I'm like, okay, I'm pretty sure he just gave himself up, and the guy's fallen on one of the best quarterbacks, MVP of the league. I went back and watched the replay of that play, dude. Have you seen it? I mean, I, I vaguely remember it during the game, but I haven't gone back and rewatched it since then. 
So go back and watch it. Patrick slides down, and linebacker number 54 comes in, dives in there, and he smacks him in the side of the head so hard with his right hand that he spins his whole body over. And I'm looking at that going, what has to happen to him for us to get the flag? Because I'm telling you, if you did that to number 12, I'm not going to specify which number 12, but if you did that to number 12 in blue and silver, (laughs) there's going to be hankies all over the field. It was unbelievable. It was unreal. And Patrick got up kind of a little like, what? What's going on? Where's the laundry? Like, it was not, it was not a love tap. I'll, give, I'll tell you that. <laughs> it was deliberate, and it was a good smack in the side of the head. And uh, they did it kind of – they had kind of a cheap shot day going. And it was uh, – I don't know if that's coached up on them or what, but I'm never going to get over that uh, Cyprian helmet, helmet shot on Travis in the playoffs. I'm sorry. But that's, that's the difference between us having a new ring and not – or at least getting to the close to the dance. Yeah, yeah, for sure. There seems to be a you know, especially against Tennessee, you know, the the Derek Johnson strip sack, you know, mm-hmm. you got to go back to that even in the playoffs and it just seems oh. to be Tennessee always yeah. there's always calls that don't go our way. <laughs> the triplet game, the forward progress game. That's what they should call that. It's happened twice. Yeah. Not just once, twice. Yeah. So wait, wait, you're letting the play go as long as the mobile quarterback was running around. The minute it doesn't look like it's going to go his way, then you're blowing the whistle. Mm-hmm. And the one on Derek, I felt so bad for DJ because, dude, he hit that hole like he was 25 again. Mm-hmm. Man, I mean, Mariota was in the fourth step of his five-step drop, and Derek was in his lap ripping the ball out. There was no effort to move forward, so there was no forward progress. Right. There was only dropping back and getting strip-sacked, and that was, I believe, just was it Justin Houston or Tom Bahali who was running the other direction with the football in his hands? Yeah, I don't remember exactly. Tell me, we go up yeah. twenty-eight to we go up twenty-eight to three. There, that's not a different game. Come on. Oh, hundred percent. So yeah, hundred percent. It's been tough to watch those Titan games. I just I just want to see them get dusted so hard. You know, <laughs> just over watching that powder blue get away with some cheap shots and end up with the better score at the end of the game. They did. They played their. They played their butts off. They balled out. They didn't give up. Tennessee. So I give them credit for that. But uh, you know, it's 2019, and every once in a while when we're playing them, it looks like it's 1980 again, and the laundry's staying tucked in the pockets, and it kind of bugs me a little bit when we have got a guy who I, for one, hope is going to be our QB for the next 15 to 18 years. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think Mahomes. You know, hopefully, you know, by the way, Clark Hunt talks and uh, the plans of the organization, I can't see Patrick Mahomes ever being in a uniform that's not red. Exactly. Exactly right. And you should take some solace in that, Chief fans. It's been great talking to you, Talon. Yeah, you too, Dan. I look forward to this every week. I know sometimes scheduling conflicts don't allow me to be on, but um, I love talking to you. I love talking Chiefs with you, and I love being a voice for the Chiefs kingdom, and it's pretty fun. I enjoy it. Awesome, man. Well, I'm looking forward to next week, and hopefully – Dollars to donuts. We're coming off of a win, some momentum going into the bye week and uh, getting ready for those Raiders. But we're not going to look forward. We're going to look at this week, go down there, and when they're saying bolt up, undo those brivets, let Frankenstein fall apart, and let's get rid of this monster, this last loss. Get a win for the cherry on top and get ready for that bye week. Underlay, have fun for all those Chief fans who are going down to Mexico City. Enjoy. Stay safe. Go Chiefs. Chiefs Wire Podcast. We are back, and I am on the line right now with Kansas City Star lead reporter for the Kansas City Chiefs, Mr. Herbie Teope. Herbie, how's it going? 
And I have to give you major kudos for properly pronouncing my last name. You get major props, my man. How are you? Good, good, man. I appreciate that. And uh, once again, I appreciate you taking the time to speak with us. Uh, a lot of things going on with the Chiefs right now. Obviously, last Sunday's game was a, a very interesting ending. Uh, can you just give us uh, not only your take, but just the, the tone of the team after that, uh, that, that weird finish? Well, I, I think, if anything, the locker room was kind of surreal. A lot of players were stunned that the game turned out the way it did. I mean, because think about this. How often do you even think about uh, the long snapper and punter slash holder connection in a game? And you know, the thing that really stood out was the game was decided by two special team snap moves. And at the end of the day, we all forgot that Patrick Mahomes returned. So instead of talking about Patrick Mahomes' return, and it was pretty darn solid, you know, we, you had to focus on special teams lapses and the defensive lapses in the second half. And that's what cost the Chiefs the game. But at the same time, you, you have to start wondering, legitimately wondering, is there something about the Titans that the Chiefs just can't figure out? This was their fourth straight loss against the Titans. All of them have been in close games. And Andy Reid, one of seven coaches in NFL history to record 200 or more career wins, is now 1-8 against the Titans. And that's pretty, you know, that's pretty perplexing. Oh, it definitely is, and obviously he was one of the uh, main topics in terms of Twitter, in terms of everyone with the criticisms in regards to how he handled the last couple minutes. How do you how do you believe he handled it? Do you feel like he handled it correctly, or everyone is kind of over exaggerating it? I think a lot of people are over exaggerating on that point. You know, it, I know exactly what you're talking about. You're talking about the third and two play, where you had Patrick Mahomes roll out, and it was a play designed for, of all people, Blake Bell. And I get why people are like, well, why aren't you throwing it to Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey, et cetera? But at the same time, you put the ball in the hands of your best player, and you make him decide. You let him decide what he wants to do with the football. And, you know, so he slid, and which was actually the wise thing to do because, you know, it does set up a field goal, and, and it, you you do you're not out of bounds, so you're not stopping the clock. You're not throwing an incomplete pass, so you're not stopping the clock. And, and I don't think there was anything wrong with the call. It was obviously you, you would have liked to have seen better results, and they got the first down. Because if they got the first down, then you seal the game. But it just didn't turn out in their favor. Right, right. And um, you know, obviously just going off to this loss and heading into uh, Monday Night Football, Mexico City. Yeah, it's a it's a really big uh, switchover to have that not only play a different game and a in a different surroundings, how do you think the team is going to bounce back after dealing with everything? Well, here's the good news. The good news is these next two games are against AFC West opponents. And as we all know, Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs over the last four or five seasons have just dominated the AFC West. But the only thing that would absolutely, absolutely concern me here is – the Chiefs' defense, it's, to me, it's, it's so schizophrenic this season. One, one game, they're pretty darn good. The next game, they're not good. And it's like just when you think they turn the corner, then they have a, a performance like they did against the Titans, I think it's pretty inexcusable to give up 140 yards rushing and two touchdowns against the Titans in the second half. And I'm talking specifically about Derrick Henry because you think they've turned the corner and stopping the run. It was pretty impressive against Dalvin Cook. And then they, they give that up to Derrick Henry, and I thought that was inexcusable. But these next two games are, are so critical. Even though Andy Reid and the Chiefs have a good record against the AFC West, who knows what can happen because we just don't know what this Chiefs team is about yet. 
they started out 4-0, but now they've gone 2-4 and over the last six games. So it, it, you have to be concerned here. Definitely. And then obviously having the new defensive coordinator, Steve Spagnuolo, who really you haven't heard too much criticism in regards to how he's handled the job, especially over the last couple of games, not counting the Titans matchup. Do you feel like there should be probably more pressure on him in regards to making adjustments and stopping the run? I think there has to be some adjustments. Put it this way. Reggie Ragland, their linebacker, if you think about this, over the span of the, the last two or three games before they faced off the Titans, the run defense actually tightened up, and it started against the Denver Broncos in week seven. And one of the main reasons for that was because you had Reggie Ragland in the lineup. He only played 17 snaps. 17 snaps for a guy who – who's well-regarded around the league as a guy who can stop the run. And for him to only have 17 total defensive snaps on the game, I thought that was a head-scratcher. So you have to wonder, what happened in that game? And, of course, we'll get Steve Spagnuolo later on this week. And so that's a question that we have to ask. Why wasn't Ragland in the game more? Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I think a lot of people were just, you know, scratching their heads in regards to the alignments and what they were trying to do, especially with the running game going as well as it was for the Titans. Um, I, I do want to, first of all, just focus on the, you know, the upcoming, like I said, going to Mexico City, taking on this Chargers team, who has been kind of up and down. When you look at this team, led by Phillip Rivers, is it the same team that you've seen, like, over the years? Because they're not really relying as much on him uh, these days in terms of with their running game and, and just mostly their defense. And I have to agree with that. But at the same time, the Chargers, and, and anyone who follows the AFC West knows, this is the time of the year, the month of November, when the Chargers always start off slow, then all of a sudden, at the end of November, they got a chance to make some noise, you know, whether they make the playoffs or not, that's on them. But at the same time, dude, they're 7-3 and three in the month of November over the last three seasons. There's something about November where the light switch turns on for this Chargers team when they all of a sudden become relevant. And that's got to be a scary situation because you know they're going to make a push. They always traditionally start off slow over the, over, over the last five, six, seven years. And then all of a sudden, November going into December, you start hearing about the Chargers because they're making some noise. So this is the time of the year where they do start making noise, and that's, that you have to be concerned about that. The Chiefs right now have a half-game lead over the Oakland Raiders. Four of their last six games come within the division. So, you know, you got to take care of business first here. If you're the Chiefs, your primary goal right now cannot be, oh, you know, we have a chance to to get the number two seed because the number one seed is out of it. But you can't be worrying about getting the number two seed. You have to worry about winning your division. The division has to come first before you worry about seeding. Definitely agree. And, Herbie, before we let you go, uh, we do have to bring up, you spent 20 years uh, in the U.S. Army uh, before retiring and becoming a journalist. And, uh, you know, just recently the Kansas City Chiefs, they just named Anthony Sherman their nominee for the NFL Salute to Service Award. Uh, if you don't mind just, like, you know, giving your thoughts on not only the nomination for Anthony Sherman, but uh, just your transition from the U.S. Army to becoming a journalist. <laughs> hey, you know what? It, the transition, I always tell people now, it, you know, I, I worked my first 20 years. Uh, my first career was actual work. My this second career covering the National Football League and, and because I was not a journalist in the Army, but transitioning to this phase, this is just fun now. You know, now I'm just having fun, and whatever my salary is, it's just cherry on top. But when you talk about Anthony Sherman, he's a guy who really who really embraces military families, 
what the military stands about. He's obviously patriotic when you look at his tattoos, the U.S. flag all over the place. But, you know, he, I, I think that he's a very worthy candidate for the Salute to Service nomination. And, and he, he's a great American, so you, you, have to, you have to get behind that one. Definitely hear that. Herbie, once again, thank you for your time. Also, thank you for your service and uh, just everything that you bring to the coverage of the Kansas City Chiefs, man. Really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me on at any time. Okay, take care. Okay, thank you. We now listen in on Chief CEO Clark Hunt as he gives his thoughts on the season so far. I want to start off uh, by acknowledging what a tough loss it was for us this past weekend against the Titans. We had a chance to close out the game at the end and we just didn't get it done and that's going to sting for a little while. However, at this point, both the team and the entire organization are looking forward and the goals that we set out for ourselves at the beginning of the season are still in front of us. Taking a step in the right direction starts with our game in Mexico this weekend against a division rival. Uh, we're looking forward to heading down to Mexico City and getting to play the Chargers in prime time on Monday night. And with that, I'll open it up. Are you sure the field is okay down there? Uh, we are sure, yes. What have you done like, to ensure that? So, so our, our field staff has been in contact with the league, who's been in contact with the representatives uh, in Mexico City who've been taking care of the field. Uh, it's a completely different field, and it's in much better condition than it was last year. Clark, you mentioned, I think, last year the sort of the desire to make sure that the team played at some point in Mexico City. Can you just explain sort of the conversations between you and the league in terms of figuring out if this year was the right year and why you wanted to get back so quickly? I was hopeful that we would have a chance to, to go to Mexico City. I think all the international games are very important for the league and they're also important for the Chiefs from a branding standpoint. Um, I frankly did not expect that we be, would be going to Mexico City so fast. Uh, it was not something that we lobbied uh, the league for. When I looked at our schedule, I didn't think it would work out from a scheduling standpoint. And I guess at the end of the day, the Chargers were willing to give up a home game to, to play down there, even though we're a division team. Do you, do you have any thoughts about the one of the things that's been kicked around a little bit is the 17th game and everybody plays an international game? You've been on the committee, obviously. Do you have any thoughts about that? It's something that we've discussed for probably 10 years, going back to the CBA negotiations in 2011, and it is part of the discussions uh, in this current round of CBA talks. Um, I do think it's something that the league needs to uh, seriously consider. I think reducing the preseason is something that everybody would be in favor of. Uh, replacing a game, uh, perhaps two, with one regular season game. And if you did that, you would have an odd number of games with 17. So one thought is that you could play at least some of those games in a neutral site, and obviously internationally is one place that we could do it. So it would give the league more inventory to play more international games. Well, the league obviously voted for the offensive pass interference being reviewed and defensive pass interference. What's your assessment of it so far as, as we enter the second half of the season? Is it working? Is it need more tweaking? I, I definitely think it's a learning experience uh, for everybody involved with the league. Um, I've seen the, st the statistics that show uh, the very few times that uh, the coaches are being successful on their challenges, uh, particularly once we got past the first two games of the season, it doesn't seem like too many of the challenges are successful. Um, I'm sure that's something that will be discussed uh, at the end of the season. The competition committee will spend some time on it and probably make some changes for next year. 
Tony Romo was the latest uh, analyst to compare Pat to Michael Jordan. Um, you saw plenty of like Bulls jerseys all over the country in the 90s. Does Pat afford you, in your eyes, the opportunity to make the Chiefs like a national and global brand? Well, it's certainly a goal for us to grow our fan base. And when you have a successful team, that helps. And obviously, when you have a star player, uh, that also helps. Our family uh, was and still is with the Chicago Bulls, so we, we got to live through that experience uh, with, with Michael Jordan and see it firsthand. Um, that was a special time uh, for the Bulls organization. And Michael did a lot to grow their brand, not only nationally, but on an international uh, basis. And I, I think certainly, to some degree, Patrick gives us that same opportunity. So it was something that I was uh, thinking about uh, last weekend, actually, uh, ironically. And uh, Brett and Andy and I will discuss that uh, when we get to the end of the season. Uh, the, those types of changes are always made in the spring at the at the spring league meeting and we'll have to discuss whether we want to come back and try to push that through yeah perhaps changing it up a little bit to, to try to get it passed there's been some sort of suggestion or some i guess assumption from both the organization and from Patrick's side that the two sides are close on understanding what the sort of contract extension would be are you i guess comfortable or expecting to make patrick if not be one of the most high paid uh, well, we're certainly excited about the opportunity to extend Patrick's stay with the Chiefs and hope that lasts his entire career. It's probably a little bit premature to be talking about uh, a new contract. Um, everyone knows the first opportunity we'll have to re-sign will come at the end of this season. Um, but that's a decision that we'll have to make with his representatives, whether this is the right time or, or perhaps a year from now. 23 is still four years away, but where are you right now as far as draft preparations and, and those topics? Yeah, well, uh, I'll mention once again how excited we are to have the draft coming to Kansas City. It's something that we worked on as an organization and also a lot of people in Kansas City uh, helped us make that happen. And it's going to be an incredible event, uh, maybe the biggest event uh, ever in Kansas City. So I'm really looking forward to it. Um, since the season got going, we haven't really been involved in any discussions about preparations. That's something that will probably kick up here in the next year or so. What does that mean? conversation the storylines throughout the offseason is how Mahomes would handle the success that he had last year and, and now it's how he's going to handle the injury and kind of coming back just what did you either learn from him is how he's how he's kind of gone through the first part of the season and how kind of he worked his way through that injury along with Rick and everyone yeah. Well, before he got hurt, I thought he picked up right where he left off, uh, not only in his play, but also in his, his leadership. Uh, pro he was probably in a better position uh, from a leadership standpoint, having had last year be behind him um, and really the team sort of galvanizing around him. I thought he did a great job during training camp. Uh, all the way early in the season. Uh, getting hurt is tough for any professional athlete. Uh, it's, it's hard to be on the sideline. It's hard particularly when, when you're a leader and you're not playing. I thought he handled that well. Uh, I think we all saw uh, what he did on the sideline to encourage his teammates uh, along, including uh, uh, going out and congratulating Harrison after he made that, that kick to win the game against Minnesota. So I, he's done a fantastic job. Um, I hate to say that we expect it at this point, point but we, we really do. He, he's a fantastic young man and a really outstanding leader. The league has had this uh, thing coming up this Saturday, I guess, with Colin Kaepernick having a, an open pro day, I guess, as it were. 
How are you guys going to handle that when you send someone to this workout? I haven't had a chance to speak with Brett about it yet, but I wouldn't be surprised if he sent someone because Brett likes to turn over every stone. We're in a pretty good spot from a quarterback standpoint with four on the roster right now, but uh, Brett does like to uh, be really thorough in his due diligence. You said a couple of years ago. reaction to the intent to, to hold that workout on behalf of the so I, I read the release from the league yesterday, and I had not been part of any discussion with the league about that happening. So uh, I, was, I was probably as surprised as uh, anybody. Well, a couple of years ago, you had said that you wouldn't have any hesitation if your coaches wanted to have Colin be a part of the team. Was there ever anything, because you guys have signed some backups here in the last couple of years, was there ever any discussions at any level with the Chiefs? with he or his representation? Uh, n not that I'm aware of, and it's not something that Andy or Brett ever brought to me. With three years outside of football hamper his ability to come into <clears> an existing <throat> club and perhaps contend for a backup spot in your estimation? Uh, it's something I really can't speak to. I think every player and every situation is, is different. Um, I, this workout will probably go uh, part of the way towards answering that question, and that's probably why he and his representatives wanted to do it. What's going on, everybody? This is John Dillon with Chiefs Wire, and this week we're talking about the history of the Chargers-Chiefs rivalry and also kind of the the history of these international games. So if you didn't know, the Chiefs are playing the Los Angeles Chargers this week in Mexico City. The Chiefs are the designated visitor team. The Chargers will be the home team. And, you know, it's, a, it's an interesting matchup. The Chargers aren't exact powerhouse team this year. Obviously, they've still got Phillip Rivers, you know, and they've got they've got some pieces on defense, but what's really intriguing is how the Chiefs might be able to to bounce back in a big primetime game in Mexico City, you know, playing playing a game that'll have division implications as well as, you know, the big picture. So, Going into this week, the Chiefs have won the only international game they've ever played. That was back a few years ago when Alex Smith was still the starting quarterback. And that's, like I said, the the only time that they've played internationally. Chargers have a, an international record of 1-1. One one. You know, so they're playing 500 ball. <laughs> you know, and uh, to a certain extent, you know, I mean, Mexico City isn't really that far from Los Angeles, you know, so they, uh, I think that they will have, to, to a certain degree, a home field advantage, you know, so that's going to be an interesting factor to watch this week. The overall numbers on the uh, Chiefs-Chargers rivalry, the Chiefs are, are leading the series by five games. There's been one tie way back in the day, and uh, one of the longest-running series that, that the Chiefs have played, they actually used to play the Chargers way back in the uh, AFL, you know, so they, they've they've been playing against each other for, for quite some time now. The longest win streak the Chiefs have ever enjoyed against the Chargers was nine games, and that was here in the Andy Reid era from 2014 to 2018. The Chargers, last, the Chargers won the last matchup between the two last year, so I think in some ways this game will kind of set the table for the Chiefs down the stretch. You know, they're really in need of a big bounce-back win. You know, and like I alluded to earlier, the Chargers aren't exactly, you know, the stiffest competition this year. So I'd be looking out for big games from 
the usual suspects, you know, usually Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, and Patrick Mahomes really tend to show up in prime time, and it'll be interesting to see how they play this, because obviously it's a must-win game. At this point, every game is a must-win game. The back half of the Chiefs' schedule is pretty soft, you know, if you look at it. They've got a couple matchups against teams with kind of questionable quarterback situations, so hopefully this week they can show out on the biggest stage and you know really really show the show the league what they're capable of so thanks so much for joining us this week we'll look forward to seeing you next week take it easy for everyone at Chiefs Wire we'd like to thank you for tuning in to today's episode Make sure to follow us on social media at The Chiefs Wire for more information. I'm Ed Easton Jr. Check us out next time.